0: Entertainment, a podcast that has dedicated itself to the discussion and review of public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me as always is a woman who is high in her social circles. It's Lydia.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say with me is a woman who can tell you how to lose a guy in 10 days. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll get to that later, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome back, Lydia. How are you?
1: Oh, Hawaii. I thought we were in California. When is the Wah! last time you saw that one? <laughs> I did warn Christopher, I'm a little scattered today, but um, hopefully that'll make it fun.
0: And uh, despite the last couple of lines, we're not reviewing a Marx Brothers movie.
1: <laughs> not yet.
0: <laughs> uh, before we go any further, I want to first apologize for the audio quality on the last couple episodes. There was an update to my editing software, and it changed the setting to a default that I didn't notice. And a special thanks to a listener who tried to tell me about it, but I thought they were talking about some noise made by one of the hosts. (laughs) And I didn't go back and check. (laughs) Yeah, so we had a couple episodes go out that didn't sound too good. My apologies, folks. (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to this month's episode. Orphan Entertainment is available wherever you get your podcast, and wherever you choose to listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. It really does help get the show out to more people. Another great way to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platforms you use. You can follow the link in the show notes to all our social media sites, and you can find our YouTube channel there as well. If you would like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. Let's listen to an Ellery Queen One Minute Mystery and a promo of another podcast. And when we return, we will find out how the other half lives in 1931's Kept Husbands.
2: Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. This is Ellery Queen with the case I call The Phony Promoter. While visiting the site of the upcoming Olympic Games, I met a sporting goods manufacturer who was making a new stock offering. His prospectus showed the equipment for a brand new sport he'd invented. He went on to say he was going to make sure the equipment and the sport caught on because he planned to place the game on the agenda of the Olympic Games. He even had patents on the equipment. But I suggested he drop the idea altogether. In a moment, I'll tell you why. I'm Alan, and I'm James. And we're the hosts of your new favorite podcast, The Test of Time. On our show, we talk
0: about our favorite movies from the past, mostly from the 80s and 90s. There's Forrest Gump, which I hate. We can have Bernie's, which I hate. And plenty of movies we both love but still love to talk about, like Risky Business, Swingers, E.T., Big, and more. We talk about the movies and debate if they still hold up today. In other words, do they stand the test of time? So, check us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all the usual podcast places. Check out our website, testoftimepod.com, for a full list. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TestofTimePod.
2: It's test of time to subscribe. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. It's the test
3: of time.
2: James and Alan have the say. Do with your love, still hold up today. In the case of the phony promoter, no individual can simply place a sport on the agenda of the Olympic Games. The game must be tested by athletes, then accepted by an international body. He lost this game. Listen again to Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. Kept Husbands is a
0: 1931 pre-code film directed by Lloyd Bacon. It stars Dorothy McHale and Joel McCree, with appearances by Ned Sparks, Mary Carr, and Clara Kimball-Young. This film was released February 22nd, 1931, which coincidentally will be the day that this episode drops. Woo-hoo. I don't know if that's ever happened before that I've <laughs> noticed. How about that? So this episode will drop on the 93rd anniversary of this film's release. Nice. <laughs> Wealthy steel magnate Arthur Parker invites one of his workers, Dick Brunton, to his house for dinner after the man rushed to the aid of two other workers saving their lives. At dinner, the daughter, Dot, is immediately attracted to Dick. She bets her father that she can convince Dick to marry her within a month. She manages to win Dick's heart, and the two are married. The newlyweds are sent to Europe by Dot's father, and afterwards, the two settle into a life of lavish parties. Feeling uncomfortable as a kept husband, Dick looks for an opportunity to prove himself, even if that means leaving Dot behind. Now, we've discussed Joel McCree before on the show. We last saw him in 1930's The Silver Horde. So let's go ahead and jump to our other star, Dorothy McHale. She was British-born, and she either ran away to London at a young age after her parents separated to pursue a stage career, or she was teaching a dancing class at her father's dance academy when she was discovered by visitors and encouraged her who encouraged her father to send her to London for classes. There are different stories told depending on who is asked. (laughs) She did, however, end up in London and attended the Thorne Academy of Dramatic Arts and Dancing, where she completed the first year of a two-year course before giving it up for a paid career. She danced at the Hippodrome and and worked in Paris doing minor roles in several Pathé films. At just 17, she met a Broadway stage choreographer who persuaded her to go to New York, where she found work in the Ziegfeld Follies. She transitioned from stage to screen, appearing in her first U.S. film, The Face at the Window, in 1920. She rose to leading lady status by, or by 1924 in the drama The Man Who Came Back. Her career flourished throughout the 20s. And she easily moved from silence to talkies with her first part talkie, The Barker, in 1928. Uh, She made a film in 1932 opposite a little-known actor named Humphrey Bogart in the Columbia Pictures version of Love Affair. And she made films for most of the major studios before retiring in 1937 to care for her ailing mother. In 1955, Mikhail moved to Honolulu, a place she fell in love with when filming 1929's His Captive Women. She lived as a celebrity in residence at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel in Waikiki and occasionally came out of retirement for television appearances, including two episodes of Hawaii Five-O in 1976 and 1980. Playing only a minor role in this film, Clara Kimball Young makes a return to the screen after a seven-year absence. Young was a very popular silent film star going back to the early 19-teens. She began her career in 1912 or 1913, primarily making primarily making one or two real shorts. In 1914, Vitagraph released My Official Wife, in which she played a Russian revolutionary. This now-lost film was a huge success and made Young and her co-star Earl Williams the number one in popularity polls. She was involved in a couple of fairs, one with producer Louis Selznick and another with businessman Harry Garson, the latter of which she teamed up with in a film business venture. However, Garson had little to no experience in the film industry, and as a result, Young's career began to hit some snags. She remained popular into the early 20s, but by 1925, her stardom began to fade. Her last silent picture was Lying Wives. She spent the rest of the 20s performing in vaudeville before returning to the screen in 1931. She appeared in several featured roles for RKO and Tiffany Pictures, as well as bit parts, including a Three Stooges short before retiring from acting in 1941. And if you are all interested in learning more about Ned Sparks, you can jump back to July of 2022 to hear our thoughts on him when we reviewed 1930s Conspiracy, where he played the eccentric author Winthrop Clavering. (laughs) And that's all the little background that I have on this film. I was surprised at how postcode this pre-code film felt. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay. Why?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just because it had a very... um, Everyone had their place. And it was a... In the end, a woman's place was this sort Hmm. of mentality. It just seemed a little... Oh, that's something you would do in about five or six years. This film also, I think... I don't know if it suffers, but there is definitely the, the fact that we are only a couple years into the great depression and we are dealing with a very well-to-do family and people, they want to see the well-to-do kind of get theirs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not come out on top necessarily. So there is a little bit of that too. So yeah, this film had some odd things kind of going against it, I think.
1: Yeah. I, (laughs) i have such strong feelings about this film i'm sure that's already leaked out a little bit Uh, so i I guess we should talk about it a little bit um it they so it starts with this cut this well they're not a couple at the beginning but it starts with these two people obviously from very different places and and this is you're gonna hear it in my voice kids this is a story about a girl who looks at a football player and decides that night she's going to marry him.
2: Well? Well? Did you notice how he balanced those peas on his night?
3: Oh, don't rub it in. How about your thousand dollar check?
2: Ah, that boy has something. He's one man in a thousand.
3: Thousand? He's one in a million. And as far as your daughter's concerned, he's the one man in the world.
2: How do you mean?
3: I mean, I'm going to marry him. What?
2: Are you crazy?
3: You just bet I am.
2: Look here, Dot, you're not serious.
3: Dad, I was never more serious in my life. The minute I saw him, I didn't give two hooks if he gargled his soup in the key of A minor. All I knew was that boy was made for me, and what's more, I'm gonna have him.
2: Now look here, Dot, aren't you just a little bit hasty?
3: I can't get him too quick to suit me. Mm.
2: See here, Dot, now listen, don't you fool yourself. Now, I'm a pretty good judge of men. I tell you, this boy has real character, and he'll never propose to you.
3: Now, see here, Dad, listen. There isn't a man in this world a woman can't win, if she really wants to land him.
2: I don't believe that.
3: All right. All I ask is four
1: weeks.
2: Four weeks?
1: Four weeks. Now, you can just imagine my face, or if you don't know what I look like, you can't imagine my face, but you could probably guess. (laughs) Uh, so deeply rooted affection and respect here is what we're looking at. Mm. No, we're looking at a relationship that's based on a rich girl looking at a cute guy and saying, I'm going to marry him. Uh, you know, the, the Christopher's mouth opened. Well, no, because I, I,
0: there, there's actually a, a point in the film where she's actually saying, oh, can't I have him? I want him.
1: Yes, like a puppy. Just like a puppy, or or
0: just something in a store window.
1: Yeah, and her father is saying, you know, there's at the very beginning, the mother and daughter are so shocked. And by the way, dot. Dick and Dot. <laughs> we're, we're gonna get a lot of accidental ice cream references going on in here, not on, on purpose. <laughs> so, Dick and Dot. No, but oh gosh, it sounds delicious. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but but you, so her her father, you know, they're like, oh, you're bringing a working man to dinner. Oh, it's so shocking. These are such very, oh gosh, the I mean. I wouldn't even say Regency mentalities. These are so antiquated mentalities that it it, it, it hurts a little bit at first to even hear the, how the mother and daughter are discussing having somebody to dinner. Now, part of this is I think they don't establish that this is upper crust society in New York, which is what we're used to seeing. We see that kind of thing with My Man Godfrey, these extremely, extremely rich people who have their society. and But in My Man Godfrey, it's it's handled differently. It's as if, you know, it, it kind of expounds on this is this level of society where we're walking into this, not really understanding who these people are. You come in mid conversation and honestly, the mother and the daughter just seem like horrible, horrible snobs. You don't understand that they're part of a, a a level of society. I think that it's expected for you to, to understand that but I don't think that it's clearly shown in the movie. You don't see that these people are, yes, they, they have a very, very nice house. They have incredibly high ceilings, something I notice, but they you're not looking, they're not, it's weird. It's not, the set isn't staged as if these people are incredibly wealthy.
0: And yeah, it comes in, it starts with a, a, a fairly close shot uh, and it you would think if they really wanted to set the stage they could have started the camera further back mm-hmm. so you see like a very opulent room and, and have then- them
1: dress like they're extremely wealthy and if i if i remember correctly they're none of them dressed like that they're all dressed a little bit casually in this scene at least and i
0: think the, i think the uh the father has a suit because that's what you wore because
1: that's what everybody wore back then but he's not in tails they're not in evening dresses I don't remember sequins which at this time there would have been sequins or feathers absolutely so it is weird you kind of are launched into this not with this idea that these people the other thing too and I actually really appreciated this about it is that when the mother in a huff rushes off because oh they're having somebody over that's you know a working man
0: (laughs) so overly dramatic
1: and the father says well you've had a working man with you at dinner every night your whole life, because I started off as a working man. So you, you know, you like him, you understand he came from something, you know, pretty basic, but it does really beg the question for me: if he started off as a poor guy, where did he get this incredibly heinous wife from? I get mm-hmm. that their daughter could be incredibly spoiled because by the time she came along, he had money. But well, so maybe that's the answer. Maybe the answer is he he made his money and then married this incredibly spoiled. Spoiled horrible woman, and they had a spoiled horrible daughter.
0: I think that maybe they were married before. Now that they are wealthy, she feels that there is a um,
1: a standard to be upheld.
0: Exactly, a standard yeah. to be held. They need to project a certain standard, and yeah. by having this, you know, workman coming, it's <laughs> is, is, is threatening this. That is and, fair. And, and, because I, I'm guessing too. You know, he worked up he worked up at his fortune. Would that be considered, would that be considered kind of new money among some Oh, certainly, no,
1: it 100% would be.
0: So they have to kind of fight against that sort of uh, uh, discrimination mm. among the rich folk.
1: Yeah, and especially if they're already <laughs> inviting other people, that would be a little bit shocking. But you do make a point. Uh, at one point, Dick does tell his mother that, the, that Dot's mother has... An English accent, but
2: sometimes it slips.
3: And tell me, Dick, what kind of people are they?
2: Oh, you'd get a great kick out of them, Mother. The father's a pretty good scout. Don't do that, Mother. You're going to ruin your teeth.
3: Oh, they were ruined long ago. How about Mrs. Parker? Oh,
2: she's got one of those trick English accents. The only trouble is it slips out of gear all the time and she gets all balled up between her boses and her vases.
3: Oh, well, that's no crime. Is she nice? She
2: almost froze me when I first came in. Looked at me as though she expected I'd be wearing overalls.
3: Oh, you only imagined that. How about the daughter?
2: Not for mine. Just plain
3: spoil. Oh, well. Now maybe that isn't her fault. Too much money isn't good for anybody. <laughs> and her, she gets her vases and
1: her vases mixed up and gets a little, <laughs> a little fluttered by that. And so, no, I think you're not wrong. I think she's she also didn't come from money, but it is definitely you're you start off with this just you know you are they're already building up dick in your mind as being this you know paragon he's he saved two people he was offered a check for a thousand dollars which at this time by the way is the equivalent of like thirty or forty thousand dollars today mm-hmm. and so if you, if you saved a couple of people's life and your boss said here have thirty five thousand dollars today we struggle a little with this idea of saying no 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 it's okay I was just I was just doing what anybody would do. There definitely are people that would still do do that, but we wouldn't look at a person and say, oh, how dare you accept money for saving people's lives or an award or something like that. And it is interesting because later on, not very much later, Dick's mother is talking uh, to her boarding house tenant and uh so, and she says oh no i wouldn't want dick to accept any money that he hadn't earned and our mentality mm-hmm. today is well he saved two people's lives he did earn it now maybe he didn't do it intentionally to earn it but he did something to earn it
0: that is definitely painting him as the paragon of virtue because thirty thousand dollars or the equivalent of thirty thousand dollars i mean you're, you're talking about more money than some of these people make in their in a year
1: a oh, way over that yeah definitely yeah yeah,
0: uh, he's making I think at this point, uh, he's making forty five dollars a week.
1: Yes, something <laughs> like that. And so if you're talking about forty five dollars a week, which is, oh gosh, Christopher, you're better at math than I am. <laughs> which is, oh, there we go. Oh no, so it'd be like half his salary. So that would be uh, like two, about two thousand dollars a year would be his salary.
0: Uh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah.
1: but but bear in mind too he's not just some guy that shows up in their words not mine overalls he's a steel boss and so he actually has a pretty good job right
0: he, he wears a shirt and tie he's not out in the uh, in the steel works and overalls and yeah.
1: Yeah. So he he is making, you know, okay money for the guy he he is. But then when Dot sets her cap at him, and and it, this is the this is the part that weirds me out cuz they kind of try and make it seem like there's some connection because she recognizes his last name and says, mm-hmm. "Why does that sound familiar?" And then it turns out he threw the pass that won the Yale football
0: Game. Yeah, he's he's an all-American football player, college football player. <laughs> and, so, and I think it's hilarious. I think it's so funny. Uh, things were, were different in 1931. The women in the house recognize <laughs> him and remember his,
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget that 40-yard pass. All right, now like, I got to say this. I'm in Chiefs country, and I'm not shouting out to any specific football teams, but I will tell you what, there are women here that are Chiefs psycho. They are so <laughs> intensely about the Chiefs, and they know everything about all the players, and so I think that it's maybe a little cultural difference, but I laughed out loud at the one lady saying, I'll never forget that forward pass, and I brought a history tidbit for you guys. If you're if you're in this film thing like I am, maybe you're not as into sports as, I, as other people are, just like I'm not. I was told today that actually forward passes were very rare at this time they actually were not legalized until 1906 and the uh and they could only be thrown from five yards or further back from the scrimmage line until 1933 so this is a 1931 movie at this point he could he would have had to have gotten five yards back from the scrimmage line thrown it forward and have made the pass that would have won the game these were pretty rare so it is funny there's a little history tidbit for you guys. Um, okay, well that, that
0: that makes it stand out so that maybe yeah maybe that would be something someone would remember years down the road.
1: Yeah, and what's really funny too is I was like, how did she know they didn't have TV? And the person I was talking to said, yes, yeah, she would have had to be at the game. And I was like, oh yeah, people go to games; they don't just watch them on TV. So, uh, but or
0: she could have heard it on the radio.
1: That is true. She could have, but it. Yeah, her enthusiasm. Uh, I think would maybe beg that question a little bit whether yes. she just heard about it. But it is interesting. So you know, so he's he's not only a hero and saves people's lives. He's also this great football player, and he's trying to hide all that away. And so, when Dot fails to get him to propose to her, and proposes to him. He says, "No, I'm. I can't provide for you the way that you're used to. We aren't right for each other." And she just hammers this guy until he agrees to marry her. <sighs> and if the roles were reversed on the in this, I just feel like if the roles were reversed, and that's, I think that's probably the part of this mo- the point of this movie, right, is that nobody really thinks too much about a poor woman marrying a very wealthy man, especially if she's Mm -hmm. very beautiful. Uh, But in this case, it is really kind of exactly the opposite. You've got a guy who apparently is very physically appealing and he's being, you know, convinced to marry a very, very rich woman. And then it just goes downhill, (laughs) which (laughs) is not surprising at all. And I went into this movie thinking this is going to be a comedy because it does say comedy, right? It has it has some comedy
0: aspects in the film, but it is overall I guess a little bit of a drama. It's a it's like a romantic dramedy.
1: It's <laughs> that I definitely would say it's a romantic drama. Watching, you know, it it feels like there are moments in it where they try to make it like a little funny or a little cute. There's the scene where they get on their yacht. They're they're going to sail across to Europe for their honeymoon.
0: <laughs> uh I was hoping you're going to bring up the uh yeah, the wedding night. I'll,
1: I'll bring up the wedding night. What do you think of the wedding night, Christopher?
0: I was wondering your take on that is was she just teasing him and <laughs> what the hell happened?
1: <laughs> Are we allowed to swear on this podcast? <laughs> um <clears throat> This is a woman that has hounded a man for five weeks because, remember, they get married the week after she proposes and he finally says yes.
3: Mm-hmm. This
1: is a woman that has hounded this man for five weeks. And then they get on the yacht and she's like, okay, well, it's been a really long day. I'm going to go to bed now. And he, they, I guess they kiss each other and then she promptly pulls his jacket down to, like, trap his arms and then goes to the other room. And is like, okay, good night. I'm so tired. And it reminded me of every girl I knew in high school who I wanted to backhand, <laughs> who thought she was so funny and so cute by being a jerk to a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I never, for the record, backhanded anybody ever. Not even now. <laughs> I never have. But there were, you know, those people that just you could see that they thought they were being funny by being rude to people. And it Mm -hmm. just felt like that to me. Like she was I guess maybe it was meant to be flirty.
0: Yeah, that's what I couldn't figure out is was was she just it was this just teasing and expecting him to end up coming into her room anyway, or did she really expect to go into her room and shut the door and go to bed and have him go to sleep in the other room?
1: I mean she did say she wanted to keep him and she treats him here like a puppy. Go lay on your bed go lay Mm -hmm. on your bed right and she's like it's awful it's so uncomfortable and then he i i don't there part of it for me i think is that there's no chemistry in this to me at no point are you looking at these two looking at each other and thinking they really feel it
0: we get a flash forward she makes the bet with her father is like i'll get him to propose in four weeks and deal you know let's we'll just skip over the whole idea of the father and the, and the daughter <laughs> making a bet about yeah. proposing that like the Kevin is a guy proposed to her and acting like it's just, it's all a game. Uh, we'll skip over that. But then we practically get a flash forward to like the fourth. Well, we do get the flash forward to the fourth week mm-hmm. where she drives to the steel yard and goes and steals them from the office to go to lunch. And that's where they propose we don't see any of this courtship. Mm-mm. Do they like each other? I mean, do, is there any romance between them? We don't see it.
1: <laughs> Not no. And that's like, even at their first dinner, she's just sitting there staring at him and people are talking, trying to get her to pass food and things like that. But at no point does he look at her and go, Oh wow. She's really gorgeous. No, he's like super respectful. The whole time, so this, this entire five weeks, the only impression I get is that the whole time he's saying, no, ma'am, sorry, gee, ma'am, I just, I, he doesn't have a weird accent like that, am sorry, he doesn't have an accent like that, but he's not going, he's not going, he he kind of says when she's trying to get him to propose to her for Christmas, oh, Hallmark, that um, he would like to propose to her, but he just can't. But he's mm-hmm. not, he, there's none of the, there's none of what we're used to in movies where, you know, the romantic bit where the guy snatches the girl up and looks deeply and passionately into her eyes and says, I wish I could be with you forever. And then, oh, but I I can't, you know, turns away and does that hand fling out thing and everything like that. It, there's none of that in here. It's just her being like, hey, will you marry me? Hey, 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 will you marry me? Ah! Until so finally, he writes it on a napkin. If I don't write down yes, she is literally going to stalk me until I die. It's <laughs> <laughs> so. So I think maybe in this wedding night scene is the quote pre code kind of little bit of it where, there, you know, she's being flirtatious, but I don't know. There's no yes, chemistry. I, I, There's no romance.
0: No, and then. He finally kind of gets to the look of uh, of being fed up. grabs his pajamas and then storms into her room and shuts the door. Yeah. And I mean, my head's going. Did he just go in and go? You're my wife. I'm going to take you.
1: That which or... would be far. That would be the most romantic thing that's happened in this movie because everything else is so <laughs> unromantic. Even that is more. Ro- it is not romantic, by the way.
0: No, <laughs> no, not at all. So it's, it's just. It leaves a really kind of dark pallor over this scene because you don't get the... You, you you don't get the vibe of what she's... I, is she I, teasing him? Is it just... Or she's teasing him, but
1: yes how... She's how teasing how? him, though. She's not right. playing with him. She's just teasing him. She's dangling something in yes. front of him and saying, you can't have it, you can't have it, which is... To say nothing of childish, which we'll talk about in a minute... It, it, it's you don't have the feeling that these people are getting married because they have any affection for each other. Not even her for him. He is completely property to her. And mm-hmm. you you even get to see a little bit of this before when you're uh, when we see Clara Kimball Young's character with her husband, and they point out they make the point of she it's too bad that he married her because he was the most promising architect in the city, but she wouldn't let him work. in. now look at him; he's just a slave. To her, to her little be, her bag dog. What do you call those things? The, the dogs that go in the purses. He's <laughs> <It's> purse dog <laughs> and he's her purse dog's slave. He's not even her slave. He's so far down the totem pole, he's the dog's slave. And you, they're making the point that this is where this whole relationship is headed. I think in the movie, they don't want you to feel good about the relationship. They don't want you to feel like there's hope for these people. But I read a book review recently about a book that I loved, and the person that was reviewing it said, at the end of this book, I just didn't believe that there was any possibility for a happily ever after with these people. And that's how I felt. Halfway through this movie, I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, no, no. If halfway through this movie, I thought, you know what? I know where this is going. Dot's going to be a brat for a little bit, but then she's going to realize she loves Dick so much, and we're going to get to see her turn around. No, the next thing that we see is she's buying a $10,000. That is a $200,000 equivalent in today's money. Which, Mm -hmm. by the way, yes, I looked it up. You can buy fur coats for that much uh, today. And, of course, Pete is going to, you know, throw paint on it, and so you might as well not. But it is insane like we've already we already know that he's not even making $50,000 a year her dad has said that he'll help make up the difference and so basically her father has agreed to subsidize this doomed marriage but a $10,000 coat is in this time frame insane amounts of money just insane like we were saying he he made like to maybe a little over $2000 a year. She's spending five times the amount of money he's making on a coat. And when he says he's concerned about it, she sticks out her bottom lip.
3: What are you feeling about?
2: Well, it's cold. 200,000 francs, that's $10,000. Well, it's worth it. Well, where's the money coming from?
3: Oh, don't be so dense. All you have to do is cable father. Well,
2: I've cabled him three times already.
3: And he hasn't turned us down once.
2: Well, I'm not going to keep on hitting him for more.
3: Not if I ask you.
2: Oh, please don't ask me. You know I've got to get back to work. I've got to start earning a living.
3: But there's no rush.
2: Now, your father's been wonderful, but I'm not going to impose on him any longer. But we've got to go back. (gasps) Oh, Doc, what's the matter?
3: You know very well your old work can wait.
2: But it isn't right. We've got to go back.
1: Kicks her heels on the floor and says, but don't you want me to have it, honey? And my back hand comes out again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just, ooh, I just, oh, yeah. I hope you guys enjoy hearing me frustrated because you're going to hear more of it. (laughs) This is, I genuinely was watching this movie going, this is the 1931 equivalent of how to lose a guy in 10 days. This woman treats this man so badly that if he has any self-respect at all, he cannot stay with her. And he does for quite a while. Yeah.
0: Because in the end, I mean, even with the coat, uh, you know, I'll do anything for you.
1: Guys, if you're in a relationship where one or the other of you is saying, I will do anything for you and not adding within reason at the end of that, we're not marriage counselors, but get ye to a counselor. (laughs) That is (laughs) wow. Wow. To say, I literally have no boundaries where you're concerned. I will allow you to do absolutely anything that you want to me is literally what he's saying right
0: yeah it's a real uneven when they try to make this guy out to be such a good guy they are trying to make you think that this guy is truly smitten with this girl but as you said before you don't see it
1: can we talk can we talk for a minute about mother
0: yeah his mother or her mother
1: his mother we've said everything there is to say about her mother because her mother, I, I don't know that she even shows up again in the movie. Uh, his, yeah,
0: you see her at the wedding, and she looks like she's really, she's crying, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> oh, maybe for all, all the right
1: reasons in this <laughs> wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, his mother, Mrs. Brunton, I believe is her name, yes. uh, meets <laughs> meets Dot and immediately decides that she's perfect for him. Yep. Because she's lovely.
0: She's a beautiful and she seems nice.
1: I'm just heaving a sigh here of tragedy. And then when she starts to find out how frustrated her son is with the way that his wife is behaving. She literally says, oh, Dick. Oh, he's supposed to be going on a on a business trip. But he finally, after, oh gosh, after eight months of traveling around Europe, under protest on his part, because he really needs to get back to work to make some money, because they're just living on her father's charity, they finally go back to a house they can't afford. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This genuinely could be a modern movie, by the way, guys. Uh, They go back to a house that they can't afford, that she has set up for them, and... When he starts saying, I need to go back to work. I'm uncomfortable with all this. She kicks her heels, throws a tantrum again and says, why don't you love me? Oh, oh, I will. I will contain my fury. I will. I will. And he and then he gets real excited. He gets this great job opportunity and wants her to go with him. And she throws a tantrum because she wants to go to a party instead. It's the height of the season. We. This is not Regency England. The option. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now, granted, the season still existed until the 1950s, but this is not London. OK, <laughs> she genuinely throws a, a tantrum because she doesn't want to go with her husband to this great job opportunity for him because she wants to go to a party tonight instead. And so. And so he goes to talk to his mother and says, this is what's going on after eight months of not seeing his mother. His mother wasn't invited, by the way, to the surprise party when they got back. His wife gets him, gets him, gets herself this giant house, and invites everybody that she knows, including her parents. His mom wasn't there. Don't know if you guys caught on to that one. And so he goes to talk to his mother about, you know, hey, I'm leaving town. I Presumably this is the, maybe, maybe this is the first time he's seen her in months and months and months. And she's excited for him. But then when he tells her that Dot's not coming with him, she looks at him and says, Dick,
3: you don't mean to tell me you left her crying. Dick, I'm ashamed of you.
2: But can't you see it wasn't my fault?
3: Oh, wasn't it? she made her plans and you rushed in without warning and upset them but mine were more important oh yes to you but her plans might have been just as important to her
2: oh i never thought of that
3: now you go on right home and smooth it over but i can't i haven't time you've got to find time you can't leave her like this why there's no telling what might happen a high-spirited girl like her what could i do take her in your arms and ask her to forgive you.
2: And give up the trip?
3: You won't have to give up anything, but be fair to her, don't ask her to give up anything either.
2: But what if she insists?
3: Just take her in your arms the right way and she won't insist. I'll bet you'll find her all packed up and waiting for you to ask her.
1: I looked up the word dysfunction in the dictionary. (laughs)
0: Mom's a bit of an enabler.
1: (laughs) That is maybe the biggest understatement ever made on this podcast. (laughs) She's not, she's, she, and it's they're trying so hard to build to the end of this movie. And I don't, I don't know if we want to hold back from giving that away or not, but um, I think what happens in this moment is they're trying really, really hard to build toward the end of this movie. And it, Made me, I made me want to, I don't shake, I don't shake people. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm like, the police are going to show up at my door and be like, so ma'am, you said some things on a podcast we're really concerned about now. <laughs> but I wanted to, sh- I wanted to shake this woman. I thought, what in the, isn't your job to like... Support and protect your your child. I granted he's a grown man, but you're still the parent. You still should care enough about him. What is this insanity where where men have to do anything that a woman wants just because she's pretty? <laughs> I guess. Anyway, <laughs> ah, I it it is just one thing after another with this movie. And when you get to the end of it, and you're expecting there to be this beautiful redemption, or at least some amount of chemistry, literally anything, any morsel, just give me, please, any morsel, I'm all over Twist, holding out the bowl, desperate for just anything. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you guys know where this is going. (laughs) You know where this is going. There's nothing. There's no redeeming value to this relationship.
0: No, and I you know I wonder how much that he's kept his mom in the dark as far as um how much that she's been supporting him. Mm. There's that one letter that he reads from his mom while he's in Europe. They're like when are you coming home? It must be so expensive mm-hmm. to see all those places. And when he sees his mom and she's talking about, "Oh, you didn't leave her crying." I you know, I wonder if she has any idea that he's barely working she doesn't even believe when her, uh, her her border
3: hello Huey how's everything at the factory
2: sufficient unto the day is the evil thereafter
3: why what do you mean
2: that son of yours is getting pretty high hat well a friend in need is a friend indeed why what has Dick done it ain't what he's done it's what he ain't done he won't even get me that job as boss puddler. Why, I do more work around there now than he does. He don't do nothing. He's the joke of the joint.
3: Oh, now, Huey, I'm sure... Well, he won't
2: tie hat this baby any longer. I'm through with him. We are known by the company we do not keep.
0: I, I think she's completely in the dark as to what's really going on mm-hmm. between these two. Mm-hmm. I think if she knew, I think if she knew everything and if she knew the truth... She would probably tell him son you're doing the right thing. She's not good for you.
1: I I don't think the end of that movie su- I don't think the end of the movie supports that theory. I think the end of the movie sh- shows her still going oh, You know what actions don't have consequences.
0: <laughs> it's true she does have her little heart to heart with Dot. <sighs> Yeah. And and, and it, she does explain how, you know, he's feeling like a kept husband. And, oh, the line from the mom.
3: All husbands are kept. Some of them are kept with money. But most of them with love and devotion and sacrifice. Why, it's every woman's mission in
1: life. Keeping her husband with love and kindness, I think is what she says. And right. And it's like the last 30 seconds of the movie. It's not literally, but it's close to the last 30 seconds of the movie where you're supposed to believe that Dot has this revelation that she's been she's (laughs) you're supposed to believe that up until now, Dot has been spending all of this money to make Dick happy. And that now she understands spending money won't make him happy. Just keep him not with money. Keep him with love and kindness. The problem is, for the last 60 minutes, Dot has spent money on herself exclusively.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: not really about kept husbands. It's more about, like, pet husbands. Because she doesn't, she's not even going out and buying him a cute little Gucci doggy sweater. She's just like... No, you dress the way I want, but we're going to go where I want to. We're going to stay where I want to. I'm going to buy the fur coats that I want to. When we run out of money, I'm going to ask Daddy for more money. Oh, no, I'm not going to ask Daddy for more money. You're going to write a letter you're, to Daddy.
0: Yes, you oh, are. Oh,
1: yeah. And then when we get back, I'm going to throw a tantrum because all I want to do is go to parties. And by the way, if you're going to travel, that's fine. You can travel. I'm mad at you. Literally throw a tantrum on the chaise. Literally throw a tantrum and when he walks out the door, she picks up her head and looks and throws, oh, he's not paying enough attention to me. And then she goes to a single man's house and he chases her around a table for a little while this is the epitome of horrific dysfunction this genuinely reminds me actually of most of the tween movies that are coming out right now because you're (laughs) seeing these incredibly rich kids that are doing drugs and driving insanely expensive cars and then they're supposed to be in these romantic relationships but they're dysfunctional and the guys are abusive and the women are tarts Yes, I said tarts. It's just, it's, it's, wow, it's this movie. It's so frustrating because there is a real potential here for a really good romantic comedy. I mean, and I think probably this story has been picked up since then and has been made probably, I mean, My Man Godfrey is, of course, the quintessential perfect version of what this story probably could, and I won't say perfect, I have some issues with that as well. You still have the spoiled brat daughter, et cetera, et cetera, But at least it has redeeming values. This movie, it doesn't. Uh, I ran across another movie just at random that I had watched. And as I was watching this, I thought, oh, this is like that other movie, but younger people. But then the end of this movie was, <laughs> it, they were trying to give a train wreck a happy ending. And this other movie, I thought, actually did a much better job of it. Uh, I'll mention that movie at the end of the episode so that you guys can go watch that if you're curious about what I think would be a better version of this but it, the, this whole train wreck of this horrible woman and this guy who's supposed to be a really, really good guy—who, frankly, he's about as exciting as toast. I don't think it's not that I don't <laughs> think he could be exciting. Honestly, I like Joel McRae in this. I like him in everything we've seen him in, and I think he. This is like the perfect example of right guy, wrong woman. Where if they had put him with, let's say, they put him with like the tragic woman who had had to resort to like prostitution or something and he would like lift her up morally or something like that this could have been like this character i think had so much potential for being like this guy that would really grab your heart and you'd really love him but because he's so downtrodden you just kind of get sick of him
0: you said that and now i'm thinking i would have really liked that you could have had a woman who who has money who parties who spins in circles and enjoys a, a, a you know kind of a, the wild life and kind of finds more deeper meaning in a stable and solid and caring relationship mm-hmm. that would yeah that would be a much better angle than mm-hmm. spoiled rich girl
1: yeah even if like the ten thousand dollar coat thing and he's like whoa, that's, in a, that. May, I think he looks, literally looks at the price tag and says, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't know that he uses those exact words, but it's something very close to that. And for her at that point to have had just a little twinge, even at that point to have been like, oh, do you, do you think it's too much? Mm, you know, just have a little moment there. But they, she doesn't, she never has a little moment of questioning whether what she's doing is the right way to do it. So, yeah, I would have loved to have seen him as this character overcome something huge here.
0: We don't see him truly accomplish anything other than, you know, maybe he gets a little better at his bridge game because he's... <laughs> 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 That's what he does in his office all day. Yeah. Are we supposed to see him as the the victor because he sort of gets his way in the end?
1: No, no. I don't, so this is the problem with that. Guys, I think we're past, I think we are just non verbally agreeing that we're just gonna give away the total ending of this.
0: Yes, let's, let's. <laughs>
1: let's please. Because, uh, you know, it ends up with her being told by his mother, well, I kept my husband. I had to keep my husband this way, which they were trying so hard for a moral here, it made it hurt. It just was painful. And I think, again, they, they could have built up to that moral, but they didn't do it very well. So she goes rushing after him, gets on the train and he looks up and she's there and she sits down. And she's like, I'm going to keep you way better with love and kindness. And that's the end of the movie. Literally, that's the end of the movie is they're in the same train car for about 15 seconds. And she just says, hey, I'm going to do better. And you're supposed to believe that she does. And I do. I genuinely believe that for the entire time they're in St. Louis for three days, she does better. And then they get home.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> she she agrees that we'll we'll live off your salary and we'll just this will I'll I'll keep you in a different way mm-hmm. and I'm thinking yeah this is going to last a month
1: at the most. right
0: right into the point he comes home with dirty laundry mhm and they can't afford some to send out
1: <laughs> literal dirty laundry. It took me a second and yeah. I was like, Ooh, what kind? Oh no, you mean literal dirty laundry. And she's yes. got to roll her sleeves up and put her hands in some water and she will lose her mind. Yeah, right. absolutely. A hundred percent agree with you here.
0: Or, or, you know, he comes home and just says, Hey, where's the pot roast? You know, where's my dinner?
1: <laughs> yeah. Or sweetheart, did you buy groceries today? Or literally anything, literally anything. Yeah. Anything she anything because she's
0: never had to do it and she's what twenty something years old.
1: Oh my goodness! Yeah, it uh, it it. Well, it's, this is probably the worst ending of any supposedly romantic movie I've ever seen. I'm trying to think. It's a romantic movie without any romance. I'm trying to think if Fatal Attraction was better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Let's just, yeah
0: War of the Roses had, a,
1: <laughs> had
0: more <laughs> romance than this Anne, film. Anne
1: of a Thousand Days, way more romantic, and she <laughs> dies at the end, literally gets beheaded by the guy. Yeah, there's it's it's so frustrating because this premise is potentially hilarious or it's potentially tragic, or it's potentially dramatic, or it's potentially mind boggling, or makes you think really hard. There are so many outcomes to this movie that are possible. And what they end with is, oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> huh. Really? He's, he's gonna believe that? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go do something else with our lives now because this movie was a bust. Gosh, they had so many options, and they just decided, you know what, we're going to try and give a moral to the end of the story so that women believe they can behave, and not just women. Please don't hear, don't hear me wrong here. I don't believe that this is a, a gender-specific story that they, that they're putting out here. They're saying you can be a completely spoiled brat to a person, and as long as you then promise them that you'll do better, you should expect them to take you back. I know this is 1931. We're almost 100 years on here. We're really, really close to that. And I don't think people really believe that anymore. What I struggle with is, did people really believe that then? And I have a really hard time thinking that they did.
0: Yeah, I, this is one of those films where you really wish you knew what people thought when they came out of the theater. Mm-hmm. Did they, were they sitting there saying the same things we were? Mm mm-hmm earth or excuse me saying the same things that we are now Mm -hmm. i were they saying that back then or were they going nodding and go "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm
1: i mean (laughs) possibly they were like oh the mother got it right yes somebody told her what she really needed to know potentially i could see that response being you know popular back then You know, yay, he finally gets to be the man he needs to be, and she's going to be the, I'm sorry for using this word, submissive wife. But I have a hard time thinking people really were looking at it like that, at least most people.
0: I think there would be a real big difference between the classes who saw this film. (laughs) I could see the poorer people who might maybe would sit there and say, oh yes, the mom got it right. And now, you know, he's going to have a, a, this nice wife who's going to learn to cook and clean and, and do everything for him and everything (laughs) like a, like a woman should. (laughs) And you have the, the wealthy socialites that see this film and go, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) Not a chance.
1: I I wonder, I mean, I really, you asked me what I thought of the wedding scene. So what do you think of the resolution of this movie? Would you buy it? Is a is a man in 1931, would you believe it?
0: No, no. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I think this character does. I think he's gullible as all get out. So he probably <laughs> does believe it and he's going to be really shocked. Things are not going to end well for Dick because... He's going to go to St. Louis. He's going to sell this bridge. Hopefully, you know, he sells this bridge design mm-hmm. and he comes back the hero for, for dear old dad, who's going to make a uh, bank on this uh, project and everything. Mm-hmm. But a few months down the road, when Dot just can't handle it anymore and moves back home, mm-hmm. who's dad going to side with?
1: You know what? I think dad's going to side with Dick. And I think that dad and mom are going to be divorced. And I think that Dick and Dot are going to be divorced. And I I think that's what's going to happen is the women are going to look at these men who are doing everything for them, unreasonably so, and say, you're not treating me well enough. I want out. I want alimony. I think that's what's going to happen. I think both relationships are just going to explode. By that time, poor mom is probably going to have died of a heart attack because she's not going to be able to handle that Dick and Dot, you know, got divorced. That's Dick's mom, by the way. And, you know, and so then the boarding house will be gone. Her tenant will have nowhere to live. So he's going to be out on the street. All of the bit, the whole steel mill is just going to implode because the management <laughs> has gone insane. This movie is a whole burning city waiting <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am exaggerating a little bit, but I, I genuinely yep. think that her dad looked at him, her dad looked at her at the beginning of this and said, he's too good of a man for you. He literally looks at her and says, no, he's a really good, solid guy. He will never propose to you. Yeah,
0: don't you ruin him.
1: By the way, the dad won that bet. He didn't propose to her. He said he will never propose to you. And he didn't. And so uh, true. Yeah, I think
0: I think that's kind of where he was getting at. But she was the, thats where she starts going. The oh, but I want him. Can't I have him? They're—they're
1: mm-hmm. they're probably. I the—the I, the odds are with eight billion people on the planet that there is somebody like her somewhere on the planet. But man, she's got to be a rare bird. I just don't think there are. You yeah, the species wouldn't be sustainable with many people like her. <laughs> no oh goodness gracious so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so should we uh <laughs> should we bother rating this movie <laughs> oh
0: I'm very curious Lydia do five tell.
1: five othals, hands no obviously I there I oh I want to find a reason not to give this one Othul I I desperately want to find some reason. And there is, I got to say that the film quality of this is still pretty good. It's still, you know, kept up pretty well over all this time. I feel like the sound quality was pretty decent for 1931.
0: No, it really was. Yeah. um, There was was a little bit of like uh, what I could only call, I kind of described as projector hum mm -hmm. in a few scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't. Uh, so distracting that you couldn't make out the dialogue, which mm-hmm. I have seen some films where it is just, brrr, <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah. So, and those are not to do with the production quality; those are not those; those have nothing to do with how this film was made. Uh, and so, genuinely, I can't give it anything other than one Othel. Uh, again, I'm I'm really sad. I walked into this movie hoping expecting it to be like the type of comedy we've we've seen some comedies on this on this podcast and not on this podcast because they're still under copyright but we talked about them some that are just so funny there's such we oh gosh um Vivacious lady I watched that again the other day with my with uh, my husband and he was laughing out loud. It, there are parts <laughs> to these movies that there are movies out there that are so funny uh, with mismatched people and this just even again, even if this had been a tragic film, even if at the very end of this we'd had, you know, Doc gets you know hit by a car or something like that, and oh, it's just a huge tragedy, or he does. you know, whatever. If you'd had like some ending to this where you had any emotion other than disgust, I would have loved to have <laughs> given it more than one Ohol. and I just can't, and it's too bad because all of the actors that that are in this, I think, are very good. Um, I I think that the direction was fine. I just don't think it's a movie worth recommending to anybody. Unless, if you love being angry, (laughs) this could be the movie for you. (laughs) This just might be the one for you.
0: If you like weird one-liners spouted out by uh, uh, Ned Sparks. Oh my uh,
1: goodness, yes.
0: This might be the, the movie for you. There are, when it tries, when it kind of leans into the, some of the comedy, some of the comedic moments, I, I think this film, even though I don't care for Ned Sparks, mm-hmm. or certainly don't care for his nasally delivery mm-hmm. kind of, uh, yeah, that is this actor's shtick. Yes. Uh, which is unfortunate. So every time you see him, yeah, he's going to talk like this. And,
1: yeah, he's like a pre urkel
0: Yes. Except that Urkel you. was
1: funny. Well, we'll take <laughs> that another time. It. <laughs> 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 but it is—it's similar to an Urkel delivery. But he had
0: some fun lines.
1: You know, he didn't have—he didn't have somebody to play off of. The mother was just not so really the mom. Deadpan. There was no like reaction of him being funny. It just was kind of.
0: Yeah, he just says the lines and then usually the scene ends. Or he just walks away and no one really acknowledges (laughs) that he said what he just said.
1: And what he says Uh, is funny, but the delivery is, as you said, a little rough. Or not rough, but... uh, uh, Annoying? I was going to say, depending on your preference.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Even when Dot goes to Charlie Bates' apartment they end up doing that the the silly thing where they're running around the table or whatever. Yes. And well even that scene it you feel uneven because you're like, is he really trying is, is she really trying to lead him on or no? Is he actually trying to pursue her or are they both playing? Towards the end you get the you finally get the feeling that oh, they're both really just kind of playing. Mm-hmm. She's kind of entertaining towards the end of that. Mm. She's kind of fun. But the scene is just so odd and weird. It Very much like the, uh, the uh, wedding night moment. Mm.
1: Yeah, it feels exactly like she's treating him exactly like she treated Dick. Except that mm-hmm. it's wildly inappropriate because she's not married to Charlie. And she is married right. to Dick.
0: You're right. This would have been a better full-on comedy. Because mm-hmm. that's where this film has its strong suits I think I was originally going to come in I was going to give it a two not saying that it was necessarily good it's just that you know it wasn't produced badly but yeah the more we talk about it and I start seeing some of the serious issues with the story and the characters on the whole Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I think I'm right there with you
1: I think this is the only the second movie on this on this podcast, maybe the third that we've given both given one othel before.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it it's very so much. it's very rare that we sit here and go no, just don't bother just watching this so one
1: bad it's it's almost it's almost to the level of watch it so you can tell us if we missed something major but I don't <laughs> think that we did I it, there just is so I did mention if you stick around that I would tell you another movie that reminded me a lot of well this reminded me a lot of I just ran across it randomly I think it was made in the late 40s or early 50s and it's called Doddsworth uh, It's a story about a married an older married couple actually. Where he is, uh, well, he's older than she is. They have children together, but he is uh, retiring. He owned a car plant, and so he's retiring, and they go to Europe together. And uh, their marriage, you know, hits uh, hits some rocky points, and where it goes from there, I won't give it away. Um, it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't the story I thought it was when I started watching it. But by the end of the movie, I was very, very satisfied with how it had ended. So I think this is a. It's a similar kind of thing because in *Dodsworth*, the wife is trying very hard to be upper crust, like fancy, live the expensive rich life. And she has the money to do it, but the husband is looking at her going, hey, this isn't all there is to life. Running around Europe and knowing rich people isn't all the value in the world. And so if you'd like to see a movie that I think is a little bit like this one, uh, it's actually and I it's actually I said the forties or the fifties, I'm just mistaken. It's called Dodsworth, it's from nineteen thirty six. It feels hmm. older than that or newer than that. It feels like it's from the forties or fifties, which is really interesting. Okay. But um but it definitely nineteen thirty six Dodsworth and I think it's I think it's a maybe a twist on the same theme that I was much happier with. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody else. If you guys know of a movie where you've got the spoiled rich girl and the, the poor guy and they get together and it's actually a satisfying ending, I would love to hear about that. I'd love to know what it is.
0: H- having Dick make any kind of argument to her about that, you know, this isn't all there is to life mm-hmm. is you know, parties and and soirees and everything isn't everything. Mm-hmm. If he had said anything along those lines in this film, that would have gone a long way <laughs> to get that extra Othel out yeah. of probably both <laughs> of us.
1: I think that's probably true. Or, you know, or if it had ended differently, honestly, I would have been very satisfied with Dick saying, listen, Dot, I care about you a lot, but let's uh, let's be honest, I, I'm grateful for the grand gesture, but I got to tell you, I just don't believe this is going to work out, and so I'm sorry, but no. I would have been like, yes, like I probably would have given this thing three Othels and been like, yeah, okay, not the best movie I've seen, but you know, I and I, you know, people are really touchy about having that kind of thing happen with those roles, with the the man saying, no, I'm not going to stay with you, but this woman is so dreadful. <laughs> And <laughs> this is like genuinely I can't think of many movies out there where I'm like yes leave her leave her she's crazy leave her but this is the one where it's just so clear-cut not you know she wouldn't she, it wouldn't hurt her she wouldn't suffer from it I mean right aside from her character character and her morals because she's already seems like she's a pretty awful person but it doesn't seem like he's having a good impact on her so I just if you know of a movie where it was this premise Uh, but went better. I would love to hear about it. Please make sure you send us an email or a comment on our Facebook page or something like that. Yeah.
0: I'd love to hear from anyone. And, and please, like Lydia said earlier, if you've watched this film and actually enjoyed it, you you think there's something, you know, more redeeming than either Lydia and I, you found in it. My gosh, please don't hesitate.
1: Yes, definitely. (laughs) I would love to know.
0: Yeah, I guess I think that's going to do it for this month. Um, As always, Fun to talk about, even if the film wasn't so great to
1: watch. <laughs> yeah, I think if if the they were trying to sorry to backtrack, I think if they were trying to create a character that you really really disliked, they did a great job at it. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was from that perspective. It's so much fun to talk about the characters that we hate. <laughs> so yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we will talk to you in another month. We'll come back with another film and, you know, hopefully um, it, we won't repeat the one in one othol <laughs> <laughs> ratings. Uh, we will talk to you, everybody, then. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.